minute, you'll see how those uh, words really do apply to what we'll be talking about this morning. Before I begin, I wanted to mention that this time of year, um, flyers appear on windshields. We're not the ones who are putting those there. So anytime we get to a political season, um, people come out and put them on on the windshields. We are not responsible for that. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer there. Uh, Many of you know that um, when I was in college, I decided to join the wrestling team. Uh, I would never recommend that somebody begin wrestling at the collegiate level. You know, I had had not done it in high school. And I was horrible, but but they needed somebody in the lower weight classes. It's a small school, about 1,300 students at this Bible college, and they were kind of desperate. And so I said, fine, I'll... I'll wrestle, and I, at the time, weighed probably 115, maybe 116 pounds. And I was going to be wrestling at 119, I believe, was the, the weight category. I don't think that even exists for smaller schools at the collegiate level anymore. But anyway, I was horrible. Uh, every time I, I wrestled, I got pinned. Now, that sounds worse than it was, uh, because as I was reflecting on this, I realized that I only wrestled three times all year, and two of them didn't count. Two of them were exhibition matches, so I only, I only got pinned in one match that mattered. But I was still a horrible wrestler. And at the end of the year, the athletic department put on this banquet for all of the athletes in the school. We were all going to be together, have a nice meal together, and then toward the end, they were going to parade each coach, each team up one at a time. The coach would read the name of an athlete and then give that athlete an award of some kind or else everyone would be getting this cloth patch in the shape of an M for the school and it was something that you were supposed to proudly display on a jacket. You know, you'd sew the letterman's jacket type thing. Well, I knew this uh, was coming up, this banquet, but I didn't want to go because I wasn't a real athlete. You know, like everyone there, those are real athletes, and then there's me. I didn't win a single match. And I, and I figured I'm not going to get any awards either. I'm not going to get even the patch. I mean, don't you have to at least pin one person or win some match, and I hadn't won any matches, and so I really didn't want to go. But the rest of the team was there, and they all said, you, I need to come, and I thought, okay, fine, I'll go. We had a nice meal. That was the consolation. It was a, a delicious meal that night, and then the coaches, one after another, came up to the stage, and, and they would read the names of the different athletes and make some nice comments and give away this cloth patch and everything, and And finally, it was time for the wrestling team. And we were, I believe, the last team. They were going alphabetically. We were W. And I was already half asleep by this point. It had been too long. If you've been to those award things, they kind of go on and on. So I wasn't even paying attention. And then he called my name. But I wasn't sure he called my name because I hadn't been listening carefully enough. And then the guy next to me elbowed me and he said, he called your name, you need to go up there. And I go, oh, okay, I'll go, but what on earth is he gonna say about me? And so I was making my way up to the stage there. I couldn't believe what he said about me. He said, Tim was one of the most valuable members that we had on the team. He had an almost perfect season and we could not have had a winning season without his contribution. We're so grateful for him. And then he handed me this patch and I'm thinking, are we talking about the same guy, you know? 
But, but I knew what had happened. I mean, I put it together at a certain point why he said what he said because see, with these lighter weight classes, often you would go for the match and they'd call the, the weight. They'd say 119 and, and I was there in my, my purple singlet and um, they'd call 119 but there'd be no movement across the, the mat. No, no one on their team ever had anyone to wrestle me. So I would make my way over to the official who would raise my hand. The team would cheer and six points for our team. They loved me just for showing up. Now I find this ironic because in, in retrospect, you know, I was the worst wrestler, but I had the second best record on paper. There was one other guy friend of mine, even to this day, that, that was the state champion in high school in the state of Michigan. And he pinned everybody. But then there was me. Every, every time, it's six points, six points, six points. I only lost one match. And the two exhibition matches were I wrestled people up. In other words, the 126 guy or the 131 guy or whatever, after I'd already gotten my forfeited points. And so I, I had mattered. I had, I had served a purpose on the team and was kind of surprised by it. Today we're beginning a new series titled Finding Purpose and, and as Christians, we believe that we have purpose in so many arenas of life that if a person doesn't know Christ, they can't really appreciate. But, it, but as Christians, for example, we find purpose even in suffering and pain. Every bit of it, none of it is wasted. So we wanna talk about that. We wanna talk about finding purpose in work, finding purpose in the home. Today, though, I want to focus on just this idea of finding purpose in life itself. And it seems like this is a good time of year to be talking about this, or at least a timely subject, because so many people are wondering this. Why am I here? You know, what is my purpose? What is life about? Is there any meaning? Is it worthwhile? Is there hope for the future? And the questions go on and on, and it's because people, I think, have lost this sense of purpose. I don't know what it's about. What is the purpose anymore? What is my purpose anymore, especially when the world's going kind of crazy? I want to suggest here today that there are two main reasons. There'll be more than these, I suppose, but I want to focus on two main reasons why I'm convinced that we have real purpose in life. Now, the first one is that we were created by God, and the second one is that we, if we are believers in Christ, have been recreated by God. We were created by God, and we were recreated by God. And so my takeaway today is because God created and recreated us, we have purpose in life. I want to focus most of our attention on the fact that we were created by God and the implications of that. And then I'll make just a few points related to the fact that we were recreated by God. But let's talk about this purpose in terms of creation. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, you have an interesting dialogue that takes place between God and God. You know that God lives in an eternal community. And we get a glimpse where God is talking to himself about his interest in making people. And I'm glad it's here because God could have left this out, but God wanted us, I think, to get a glimpse of what was in the heart, the heart and mind of God when he created us. And so it's found in verses 26 and 27 of Genesis 1. We read, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
And again, this is the Trinity discussing this. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. I want to make three observations from these verses. The first one is this, that God reflected, or God created us in order to reflect his glory. We were created in his image, specifically though for the purpose of reflecting his glory. And this is really a big deal. Now, if you look at the creation story, you will notice that people were created on the sixth day after God had created everything else. You know, God had already created the sun and the moon and the stars. God had created the sky and the ocean and the land. He'd created all the plants. He created all the animals that walk and crawl and slither and swim and fly. And God had created everything. And then we get to this little dialogue. Let's make man. Now, in our image, it was something different. Now, part of the significance of that is to realize that God created everything for us. That it was intended to be our habitat. It it was as if God created this, 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 this. And each day he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then when it was done, he said, okay, it's ready. It's time now to populate it with people. And people were going to be unique. Unlike anything else God had created, we alone were going to be created in his image. This is important to realize because our society doesn't teach this. A society says that there's no difference between people and animals. God says, yes, there is. We alone were created in his image. And it's because God wanted us to reflect his glory. Now, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, let me talk about what it doesn't mean. First of all, it doesn't mean that you're, you're God in the sense of your abilities. You know, God is omniscient. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. You know, God is everywhere, he knows everything, he's all powerful. These will never be true about us. So being created in God's image does not mean that. It also doesn't mean anything about God's physicality, if I could put it that way, as if we look like God because God was a being with fingers and hands and things. No, God is a spirit. So it's not that either. So what is it talking about? Well, it's talking about really the things that matter like morality, having a conscience, a sense of right and wrong, a self-awareness that I think falls into this category, the ability to clearly communicate falls into this category. These are things that set us apart from the rest of his, God's creation here. A.P. Ross explains it this way, being in God's image means that humans share, though imperfectly and finitely in God's nature, That is his communicable attributes. Now, a communicable attribute is an attribute he shares with us. And so he's making the point up to this point that that we, there are some attributes God has that he shares with us and there are some that he doesn't. But what are some of these attributes he shares with us? Well, he lists some of them. Life, personality, truth, wisdom, love, holiness, justice, And then he goes on to say, and God does it so that we'd have a capacity for spiritual fellowship with him, which I'll talk about here in a minute. But God created us in in his image and we have a unique purpose and we have unique abilities and, and we reflect God's nature more than anything else he made. Now all the creation does reflect something about our creator. 
Paul talked about this in Romans 1.20. He said, for his or God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, all that it is all involved in being God, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. God's attributes are revealed through what he has made, through the things that he has created. Now, every time I think about this, I I think of an example of how when an artist creates a work that that art reveals something about the artist. Like the artist has something inside here and then the artist creates something. And the specific artist I always have in mind is Picasso. And, And the reason I think of Picasso comes back to my opening wrestling story. See, toward the end of the year, with this wrestling, our coach of the wrestling team decided to invite the entire wrestling team over to his apartment in downtown Chicago. To my absolute surprise, the guy lived in a high-rise on Michigan Avenue in what is called the Gold Coast. This was the guy that taught, I think, one class at the school, and then he taught the wrestling, you know, he coached the wrestling team, but he didn't need to work. I didn't realize he was kind of independently wealthy. We took a special elevator up to his apartment and and we could look out the windows and see Chicago. And this is the Gold Coast, Michigan Avenue. And I thought, this guy's got, this guy's got some means. And then I'm walking around in the living room and I noticed two paintings on his walls and they were Picassos, real Picassos. And I was just shocked by it. But Picassos are kind of interesting paintings. Let me show you a picture of a Picasso. I don't remember the ones that my uh, wrestling coach had or anything, but uh, it's interesting. I, I, think it's, I think in a sense it's brilliant. I think it's incredibly creative. This reveals about the artist. He's brilliant, he's creative, loves colors, and strange. Just a little bit different. And if you know his story, you know that's true. Because his art was reflecting what he was. And that's what's true of art. It reflects what we are. God's creation reflects certain things about his attributes. And so you look at, you look at the fact that there are a billion galaxies out there that it goes on and on and on and on. It's a picture of God's eternality. You look at the sun and it's a picture of his glory. You can't look at the sun with your eyes. You can't look at God with your eyes. The examples go on and on. It's brilliant. Oh, God's creation, even beauty. Riding over here, I noticed those purple trees. What are they? They're like something rosebud thingy. I don't know what they're called. I love them. This time of year, you just see purple. Did you see them this morning? It's a nice touch on the part of God. I just think it's a nice touch. He didn't have to do that. But what does it reveal? He's a God of beauty. He's a God of wonder. One reason I love to scuba dive is that I get down below and I see a world, a universe that you just can't see otherwise. And it's a worship experience. I remember one time we went down there with a group of people and we were down 120 feet, which was further than we were supposed to be. But we were down there because there was a sponge releasing spores. We had a photographer with us. He said, I've never seen anything like that before. And these spores were coming out. It was quite remarkable. 
But despite how remarkable everything in creation is, it's nothing compared to people. We are the very pinnacle of God's creation. The very pinnacle. Man and woman, we reflect God better than anything else he created. And it was intentional that that would be the case. And because of that, we have a lot of value. We have purpose. We live in a society that values you based on your accomplishments, your achievements, your wealth, your beauty, whatever else it is. Our value is based simply on the fact that God created us in his image, uniquely created you and me. There are no two alike. I have a twin brother, but we're different. We're alike, but we're different. There are no two that are alike. And just by virtue of the fact that God's signature is on us makes us valuable. You see, I could, um, I could paint a Picasso-style painting. It would be particularly good if it were a paint-by-numbers kit. But I could do that and I could sign it, but I doubt any of you would buy it. If you did buy it, it would be so you could give me a hard time for the rest of my life. My, the Picasso imitation here, you know. But if, it, if it's signed by Picasso, that's the thing that makes the difference. Mine could look similar to that. You look at it and, you know, a person could even project the image on a wall and make an exact copy. That's not the thing that gives it its worth. It's that signature. Stradivarius violin. It's a signature. It's the name behind it. Our God has created us and we reflect his glory. A second purpose, we are created to have a relationship with God. I think this is the main reason. And that theologian I referred to earlier talked about this is the main reason God created us the way he did so that we might have a relationship with him. And this part kind of saddens me just a little bit because I realize that so many people don't have purpose in life because they don't know God. And I realize that a lot of Christians go through their lives and because they do not walk in connection, we were, we were created for that. That we might know and worship God and have a relationship with him. I mean, this, it's a brilliant thought when I think of it that God would want to have a relationship with me. Do you realize God wants a relationship with you? He, he wants a relationship with you. He made you the way he did so that you could have a personal relationship with him. And if we don't get that, we're not going to be walking in the purpose for which we are, were created. And part of the reason I love what I do is it's an opportunity many times to point people to that. Come meet your creator through faith in Christ. That's how... But this is part of our purpose in life. And so we were created to reflect his glory. We were created to enjoy this relationship with him. And then third, we were created to rule. Or another way to put it, we were created to run his affairs. Now this came from Genesis 1.26, which I read earlier, but let me read it again. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, all the earth and the creatures that crawl on the ground. Part of the, the desire to have purpose or meaning in life is something that I think was put into us by God. He created us to accomplish things that have significance. He created us so that we would invest our time and energy in things that make a difference so that we would sense this purpose in life. For most of us, this is reflected in, in what we do for a living or work. 
And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this point because we want to devote one of the weeks just to the fact that there's purpose in work. God gave purpose in work. But when God created Adam and Eve, he created them so that they would manage the entire world, which is, it's a big job, but it's a pretty, pretty important job. What he gave them to do is quite remarkable. I think he's given us, by the way, the same task to do this. Now, every person that's been created was created or has been created with unique set of attributes. You have certain abilities that God has given you, certain talents. You've, you, you, you have a certain appearance, a certain personality. There are things that define you. And I'm convinced God has a plan for literally every person on the planet. He's got a plan. He created you with a purpose in mind. In fact, if you think about it for a moment, uh, no one or nothing has ever been created that wasn't created with a purpose to accomplish something. Everything that's been made, look around you. Whether it's in this auditorium or whether you're in a living room or whatever, look around you. Look at, look at something. Look at anything. Was it made for a purpose or was it just made? You know, is any, does anyone ever make anything just to make it? I mean, you can make something to be beautiful, but then that's the purpose. It's to be beautiful. You know, you look in the room here, I, I see some lights, you know. Somebody observed that darkness is not the best thing in the world and somebody was smart enough, endowed by their creator with enough intelligence to figure out how to put a light bulb together. And that light bulb makes no sense except the purpose for which it was designed. If you take a light bulb and you go 300 years in the past and give it to somebody, they, they wouldn't have a clue what it was for. What, what, what is this? It makes no sense out of context. But somebody made it with a purpose in mind to provide light. You're sitting on a seat. And at some point, someone decided that it's more comfortable to sit on a seat than it is on the floor. And so some company, you know, they put together these seats. I'm glad they did it, but they didn't just make them. Hey, let's have some fun here and make something that looks like this. It had a purpose in mind. Everything that's ever been made has a, a purpose in mind. Now, I'm saying that if this is true of stuff and things, it's all the more true of people. You were created with a purpose in mind. Now, I don't know necessarily what it is. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to even figure it out. Like Moses, you know, I'm reading about Moses as I'm reading through the Old Testament now in my devotional time. And it just strikes me that Moses began to really serve his purpose when he was 80. It's kind of encouraging, you know, there's some life left. He's 80 years old and he's finally figuring it out. Up to this point, he was wasting, kind of wasting his time. I mean, I think God was using all that time. I think God trains us in the meantime, but God, I'm just saying that God has a purpose for every one of us. Around here, by the way, we talk about, uh, use the acrostic um, shape, S-H-A-P. It comes from Rick Warren, who suggests that, you know, these five things, if you put five things together, you can determine your shape or what your kind of your purpose is. The S is your spiritual gift. If you're a Christian, you've been given a spiritual gift. Uh, the H is the heart. What, what do you have a heart for? You know, some of you, for example, have a heart for kids or something else. You know, what do you have a heart for, a passion for? A is your abilities. You've been given unique talents and abilities. P is your personality. You know, some of you are outgoing. Some of you are more quiet. E is the experiences you've faced in life. 
God uses those experiences, and when you put it together, you get this sense of your spiritual shape. So what I want to encourage us to do is take inventory about this and realize that there is something God wants you to be doing, that that God wants you to be ruling in one sense in some area of your life. So because God has created us, we have purpose in life. We are created to reflect his glory. We were created to have a relationship with him and God created us to rule like Adam and Eve tending in the garden. But the second point here, last point about this is because God recreated us, we represent or are able to represent God to the world because he recreated us. We now become God's representatives. I think that's our new job as Christians, to represent our creator to the world. You say, why is such a thing necessary? Because sin ruined all the other stuff I've already talked about. When sin came into the world, it kind of ruined everything. We used to reflect our creator really well. But sin has come into the world, and now we don't reflect God as well as we used to. I think our reflection is diminished. In fact, there's some people who are so evil that you'd be hard-pressed to find any of the original created in the image of God part left. But we don't reflect our creator like we used to. And we were created to have a relationship with God, but sin has come in the way. And so it ruined that one too. Sin comes between people and a holy God. And, and then we were created to rule here over all God's creation, of course. But when sin came into the world, a curse came upon all of creation. Work became work, which is why we have to reclaim its purpose. But work became work. So everything was ruined because of sin, but Jesus came to make it all new. Because Jesus recreates us when we put our faith in him, we, we can represent God to the world. And, and suddenly when we put our faith in Christ, then, then we reflect God more. You know, we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Jesus said, walk like me. And so suddenly we're reflecting our creator better. Suddenly our relationship with God is restored because we put our faith in Christ and suddenly we can give ourselves to a new service to God. Now, the Apostle Paul talked about this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. He said, for you've been saved by grace through faith, which I talked about last week. The kindness of God delivers us from the penalty of our sin through faith in Jesus. And it's not of yourselves, it's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. Then he goes on to say, for we are his creation, created now in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Paul is saying that God in his kindness and grace saves us and delivers us from our sin, but then employs us and gives us now a job to do. He's prepared good things for us to do, specific things that we're to be giving our lives to. But I want to suggest that one of the main things that we're to be doing is to become ambassadors for Christ. And Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 within the context of being a new creation. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. And then verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're Christians now. Little Christs. We represent Christ in this world. Now, I love the way a previous verse, Ephesians 2.10, is translated in some other versions. Let me read them. Like the NIV translates it this way, for we are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's word translation puts it this way. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. The New Living Translation probably captures the best idea, though. For we are God's masterpiece. That's what the word means. Workmanship. It means masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us. Long ago, he's got things planned for us. Dr. Honer explains it this way, the word workmanship or masterpiece or whatever. It's the Greek word poema from which we get the English word poem. We're God's poem. But the word workmanship denotes a work of art or a masterpiece. God has prepared a path of good works for believers which he will perform in and through them as they walk by faith. And so I think we find purpose in our life as Christians when we recognize that we are ambassadors for Christ. And we can be this because God changes us so much when we put our faith in Christ. So many things happen the moment you put your faith in Christ. That's why it's called a new, new creation. You become a new creature. Your, your sin is re- taken away from you. You're forgiven immediately. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You're placed within the church, the family of God. You're given one or more spiritual gifts or abilities to serve God. I mean, there's just this inside transformation that takes place when you put your trust in Christ. He changes us. In a sense, we've been retooled to serve God in new ways. And I love this idea because now we're like a co-worker with Christ, which is how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 3.9. We are God's co-workers. It means companions in labor. So let me summarize and then close with some questions by way of application. We've been created by God and we've been recreated by God and that's why we have purpose in life. We've been created to reflect his glory. We've been created so that we might have a relationship with him. We've been created so that we might rule and carry out his purposes in this world. And we've been recreated to represent God in this world. But let me ask you these questions by way of application. One is, do you believe what God says about you is true? And do you see the fact that you have been created in the image of God? And do you see your value through that lens that his signature is on you? And second, do you understand the the, the importance of being created to have a relationship with God? I'm convinced that a lot of people do not have purpose in this life today for this very reason. They have let their relationship with God kind of drift. And and they're, they're floating out there instead of being connected with their creator. And then third, do you realize that it's your responsibility as a Christian to represent God in this world? as our relationship has been restored and as we can serve God with his spirit who lives inside of us. And then the final question, some of you perhaps don't know if you even have a relationship with God and that'd be the starting point. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Whoever puts their trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, that person, Jesus said, would be born again, born anew. And it comes through faith in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you've loved us in so many ways. Even the greatest way I haven't mentioned yet, that you sent your son to die for us. You love the world in that way. And so we are grateful, but Lord, we struggle sometimes to believe that you love us.
to believe that you have a purpose for us, O Lord. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to live in a way that properly reflects who you are. And in your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.